Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Today, I'm going to be discussing Warhammer 40k Darktide once again, but this time it's not going to be like an overall basics and what to expect and like a recap of what I thought last year. No, this is an updated impressions or thoughts. Hell, you could say it's a review, but I haven't played and gotten high enough, I think. I mean, I don't like saying this is like a review of a game because a review feels final. You can review a movie, at least if you watch it twice. You can review all these things, but like reviewing a game a lot of the times doesn't count because the game's going to change. Like inevitably, you will come back to it and it will be radically different than what it was before, especially in games that follow a live service model, which most of them do nowadays. So that's why it's thoughts and impressions, because that's what it is. It's a thought or impression, basically a review of the time, but not a not locked in, not locked in time. Anyway, uh, you know the deal off the top thoughts towards the game, towards the topic at hand. That's why we call it Psychic Thoughts. Thank you all for supporting and listening for those of you who do. As always, please go check out my latest album, Phoenix, on all streaming platforms under Psychic, P-S-Y-K-I-C-K, capital P, capital K, um, and on social media at Psychic34, no special casing across the board. So please go check that out when and where you get a chance. That would greatly support me, and I appreciate it so much, as well as my short films on YouTube and uh, Instagram as well. So thank you. Um, and I appreciate everybody who comes by and listens. You know, I created this podcast to get some of my thoughts. I, I love to info dump. I love to think and, and like digest and synthesize this info. I don't really have the time to be a full-time YouTube video essay person like I'd love to be. <laughs> so this is that happy medium. This allows me to kind of more so articulate and digest the thoughts that are running through my head at the time that have to do with something that is hopefully entertaining. And I try not to just make it about, well, I played this game and I moved this character left and right and you see they moved nicely. Okay, I try to make it more broad in general because I'm trying to consider the fact that some of you who listen don't give a fuck about video games, which would be hilarious because I talk about them so much. I can't imagine at this point people who don't care about video games listen to me but I never know, because I talk about other things. I talk about the filmmaking process. I talk about what it's like to make a rap album. I talk about other things as well, and I have plans to talk about other things besides video games. But that's 80 to 85% of the podcast, and that's how it's going to be. So if you like video games, if you like industry video game news and specific, specifically my thoughts, impressions, and, and feelings towards video games, please, please stick around. There's going to be way more games. There's going to be way more exciting content. And I'm only getting better at doing this as I go throughout the years. So once again, thank you all for the support. And let's get into my updated impressions on Warhammer 40k Darktide. Here we go. Alrighty, so let's just do a quick recap overview. For those of you who want to know the basics of how Warhammer 40k Darktide plays, what it is, what to expect... Go check out that podcast called Warhammer 40k Darktide, What to Expect. It literally came out a couple weeks ago, um, and I did that in prep for the new update and the release to console for my console players who would be interested. Obviously, there's better, more 
concise info on YouTube, so it's not really a thing. But it, it kind of gave an overview, and it more so gave a polished overview of uh, what the game was before the launch of the update and before the console launch. And as I've said before, when playing a game alone, especially a game that's designed to be co-op or have a social experience, playing it alone, as opposed to playing it with friends, is a radically different experience. It's almost a different game in of itself from that experience differentiation point. So, that's not a word, by the way. Or if it is, I used it wrong. I definitely used that wrong. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep going. Anyway, so um, here's the thing. Uh, just quick, very, very quick overview of Warhammer 40k Darktide because I feel bad. I hate when I go on like a podcast or I watch a video and someone's like, so if you want to know the basics, fuck off and go to another source. No, no, no. I'm not trying to kick you out of here. Stay here. Let me just give you a quick rundown. Warhammer 40k Darktide, for those of you who don't know, is a four-player cooperative shooter horde, horde shooter game, right, with a heavy focus on melee, right? It is a light RPG horde shooter game, right? You've got up to four players co-op. You can play solo with bots. You can queue with public, with, you know, random people. You can queue with friends, um... You know, you pick a class, there's four main classes right now. They all have varying traits and attributes from, from difference in move speed and health to, um, to weapons that they get to perks and abilities they have. So they are uniquely different, but it's pretty well balanced. They all fulfill specific roles, so it's not like you grab one and it's ridiculously better than the other. There are some that are inherently more overpowered, um, but... In the past year, they've been balancing it. So Warhammer 40k Darktide released on PC on Steam and uh, Xbox Game Pass PC uh, in November of 2022. I downloaded it and I played it by myself for a year on and off. Had a fucking blast with it, with the gameplay loop and with everything that was there. And they've only been updating and improving over time. Adding new maps, adding new enemy types, fixing and balancing a lot of things, adding way more weapons... Improving server stability, fixing bugs, improving performance and, and things like that. And then um, adding bits and bobs of content. And then two weeks ago, October 4th, um, they had their largest content drop in a while, if not ever. They massively overhauled the entire game. Lots of bug fixes, lots of improvements handful of new weapons, um, things like that, but most importantly, an entirely reworked trait, attribute, skill, point, tree, system thing. It was massive. doesn't sound like that big of a deal, so you consider how much was added in there and how much it radically changes the way we play. So anyway, I'll get into that in a minute, um, but that's the gist of the game. You load into a map. It's not a looter shooter. You load in the map. You go against the hordes. You hack, you slash, you shoot, you kill, you run. You complete these. Very simple, very repetitive, but not like bad, not poorly designed. Just simple and repetitive, but it's okay. At least they're simple. They're not complex. Objectives. 
And that's all just cannon fodder to be able to just kill the hordes. Everything's an excuse to get you in a room and kill as many enemies as possible with varying levels of difficulty. And it's not just easy grunt soldiers. It's a mixture. It is a mixture of a bunch of other things with special enemies and all these other types coming at you. So there's five, well, technically like eight different levels of difficulty but there's five main ones and then you go into like the super high tier difficulty shit so you can select what type of difficulty you want obviously if you're new to it stick to the one and two until you're ready three is a massive jump and will fuck you sideways if you're not ready so you just give it time you get more comfortable you build up your character you get some better gear you get used to the mission objectives and you get familiar with some of the maps and you'll be good right but the rewards, the XP and the, the Ordo dockets, which are like their currency, their basic currency, is exponentially higher. Every time you kick it up a notch in difficulty, you are rewarded plentifully, and you might also get a bonus, like, cool weapon and stuff. You can upgrade your weapons, you can change the perks, you can change the rarity type, you can add new perks. They're called blessings, but they're essentially stat perks. Um, so there's a so many weapons you can get, so many different types, they all have pros and cons to them. You can upgrade their quality, you can get better versions, um, and then you have skills and skill points that are also things that will radically change the way you play and improve your play style. So there's a lot to, there's a lot to sink your teeth in, and this isn't a game that's designed for you to like sit and binge for like seven hours, this is a game where you can binge for a couple hours if you want, but... It's short bursts is where this game succeeds best because it's so fun. And it has progression, but you're going to want to savor it. And trust me, after three or four matches, you're, you're good. You've had enough of the game. Not in a bad way. It's just you've had fun and you're like, okay, cool. So I'll talk more about that later. But that's the gist of Warhammer 40k Darktide. For those of you who play Vermintide, you kind of know what you're getting into. Right? If you've played Left 4 Dead, if you've played World War Z, I guess, that might count. Hell, if you've played COD Zombies, if you like the kind of horde shooter, the masses are coming at you, you better, you and your buddies, you better figure out a way to hold them off. You're gonna fucking love this game. Because it looks, sounds, and plays beautifully. And that's the hardest part to get right. Once you got that right, everything else is just making the game more fun to play for longer. And that's what Fat Shark, the devs, have been doing for a year. So let's talk about how this game has improved and changed in the past year and why it still holds in my spot as one of the better first-person shooter games out there on the market to date. Alrighty, so let me preface and let me, let me start this episode truly. I mean, that was intro and kind of overview just so I, I'd like to keep everyone on the same page with the basic info. So then I can feel more comfortable, you know, to get in the topics, get into the nitty gritty. That's what this episode will be. It will be very fucking specific. Now, for those of you who haven't played the game or don't know if you want to get the game, this episode still will apply to you because I'm still going to make sure it connects to things if you've never touched this game. However, this game, this episode will more so service the people who've played it as well. So I'm going to try to do the fine line dance and keep it accessible to both parties. Um, but there will be times where I get into the nitty gritty. Um, also, the uh, the previous episode I did this on what to expect is very general overview. So 
if you really have no idea and you really don't want any kind of specific information, check that out as well when you get a chance. Okay, so here we go. First and foremost, I want to mention that when I started this game, this game didn't have nearly as many missions and maps. Now, they all looked familiar, uh, familiar, phenomenal. They all looked incredible. Everything, like, even since day one has played and looked and sounded amazing. The graphics, the lighting, the gore, the graphic uh, violence of it all, the gameplay loop, the flow, the pace of combat, the visceral nature, the booms and thuds and shots and cracks and snaps, all of it. Very, very satisfying. Sound design is key in these types of games because sound design allows you to know what the fuck is coming before you know it's coming. If you've ever noticed in something like Left 4 Dead or even Payday 3 or Warhammer 40k Dark Tide, anytime you're going up against a horde and there are special enemies that are designed to kill you extra good, um, they have a unique signifying sound that is triggered before you're going to engage. Not much time, just enough for you to be like, okay, we got this enemy coming in. And in Warhammer 40k Darktide, they really... And I'm just going to call it Darktide going forward. But it's Warhammer 40k Darktide. That's the entire full name of the game. Because it's part of the Warhammer 40k universe. Which I have no fucking clue how that universe works. It's cool. I respect it. I just... It's a lot. And I don't have the time to learn that universe. But it's dope. But yeah, Darktide is what I'm going to call it going forward. Just so you all know. But anyway. Um, so, the enemies. They, each specialist enemy, first of all, they're designed to fuck you extra hard. Um, more so than the regular. You've got your regular grunts enemies. They can melee. Maybe some of them can shoot. They do light damage. In the hordes, they can still fuck you up. Don't be mistaken. And more so, they can, they can trap you because they just overrun you and you get stuck. But they're not the highest damage. The ones that have the higher health and the higher damage are the specialist enemies. Your snipers, your shotgunners... Uh, your maulers, which are like melee, heavy armor melee. Your crushers, which are like bigger heavy melee, like big brutes, tanks. Um, what else? Reapers, which are like the crushers, except instead of melee, they have a minigun. And they're fucking nightmares. Uh, the demon host, which is like the witch from Left 4 Dead. Fucking terrifying and will kill you if you're not careful. So, honestly, don't wake them up. It's literally the witch from Left 4 Dead. There's like... It even, like, cries similarly, and if you go to it and you wake it up, it'll just fucking rape you. You have no hope. Um, you know, your whole team has to stay focused on killing it. And if it kills you, it insta-kills you. It doesn't just knock you down. Um, what else? There's so many other enemy types. The Grenader. Just a dick. Just throws fucking incendiary grenades and just... Causes a whole mess. The flamethrower. There's two types of flamethrowers. The traditional flamethrower that uses propane and propane accessories. And then there's the flamethrower that's like a toxic flamethrower. And then you got your hellhound equivalent, the, the, the poxhounds. And they'll just come up and fucking take you down. You've got the mutants. They're the linebackers of the game. They will run up and just tackle you. They don't do much damage. They could throw you off a cliff if you're not careful. But other than that, they don't actually do that much damage. They just take you out of the fight for a minute. And they're scary because they run really fast at you. And they charge you. And they will fuck you up if you're not careful. Um, what else? 
There's a couple others. Oh, the pox burster, like a suicide bomber. I think that's it. I think those are all the specialist enemies. There's a lot. That's a fuck ton. And those are the specialist enemies. And they have better health, better armor. They have special ways of trying to kill you. And they all have unique sounds that cue you that they're coming around the corner. Aside from that, even with the regular horde, you even have varying types of enemies in the regular horde. You got your regular peasants in just fucking faded garbs that are got a fucking shiv that are trying to kill you. They're one hits. They're easy. But there's a lot of them all the time. Then you've got your kind of medium. little more on them. Maybe one or two hits, but still super easy. Then you got your little harder. They've got light armor. Not really armor, per se. Not flak armor. Not like the specialists do. They got a few hits in them. Might take one or two. Unless you hit them right in the head. But, like, they, they are a little more durable. They'll hit you a little harder. And then, there, so there's like four or five varying levels of just general enemies that aren't specialists that will, that have a little bit more health or a little bit more punch to them. So you mix that all together. You've got a diverse set of enemies you're going against. And something that really matters in horde shooters like this is AI and balancing and enemy diversity. Right? Um... I believe that the division, the first one, I can't speak on the second one. Division is similar in its sense of open world co-op experience. Not a horde shooter, but an RPG shooter that you have a lot of PvE, player versus enemy, um, situations. And that's just... That's okay, there's no problem with that. The only thing is that it is kind of uh, not important. Because even though you're going against them, honest to God, the enemies there are all bullet sponges. They don't really have different ways of killing you. They merely just have different ways of absorbing all of your damage. And that's not a good design mechanic, in my personal opinion. So, not a good mechanic. But, oh well. Apologies for that, I got distracted. Anyway, there are specialist enemy types, and uh, they matter. Payday 3, Left 4 Dead, some of the best have that, because they understand that it's not, you don't want to just blindly kill the easy grunts. Those are fun, those allow you to have some, you know, exciting moments, but you need something of challenge. Just something that makes you change up your, your fighting style. Destiny, for me, runs into this issue. Technically, depending on where you go, it's, they're all different enemies and they fight differently, but at the end of the day, they're not, they're not specially difficult other than bosses and mini-bosses. So, now Destiny's a different structure of a game. 
but there's some similarities to it. It's more of an MMORPG than it is a, a horde shooter. Uh, so I get it, but it's just like, for me in Destiny, it's like, okay, after a while, if I have a good gun, everything is just the same because I'm equally killing them at the same rate. That is not the case with Darktide. Now, if you have a good gun and you're landing headshots or you're being accurate, you will still kill them pretty efficiently, but there are some enemies that are just going to take more shots. That doesn't sound like such a big deal, but when you're in a hurry and you're being bum-rushed by a bajillion other enemies, that makes a big difference. The one to two shot difference really matters in a game where time is of the essence because you're fighting for your fucking life at every moment. And it's a balancing act. And sometimes it feels unfair on how quickly everyone can get killed. And that's where the player comes in. It's not just the enemies. Because they're not just bullet sponges. They have different counters. There's different weapons that are better suited for taking them out. Now, it's not such a big difference where if you don't have that weapon, you can't fight the enemy. Which is an important distinguish, uh, st distinguishing factor. Because if that were the case, this game would be instantly unfun because you can't swap your loadout once you're in a mission. You select it before the mission, and then you're locked in for that mission. That's fair. But the thing is, if you have an axe... For example, and melee is uh, almost always the best uh, option because ammo is scarce. You will get ammo and you will be able to shoot. It is a first-person shooter, and shooting is super fun and well-designed. But melee is where it's at for me because you get into it. it. You see the gore. You have more accuracy, and there's no ammo, so oh, you're fine. It allows you to save ammo. It allows you to kill in a more fashionable way depends on your character class. There are two classes that are designed for more range. Now, every class is able to fight at any distance, ranged and close, first and foremost. So there's a balance right there. Every class is able to sufficiently fight any type of enemy from any range. Now, the varying level of difficulty or ease or proficiency that that said class has within that area is where it differs. For example, the Zealot which is like the preacher, the, that is the berserker. That is the assassin. That is the guy that's going in, the rogue. Um, very fast, very nimble, can kill with great efficiency very quickly, has a good amount of toughness, a decent amount of health, so can take some damage, and is very, 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 very proficient at melee. And the, his weapons benefit medium to close range. He's got some long-range weapons. He's got some rifles. He's got some things like that. He can use just fine. But if you're, if 70% of the time you're shooting when you're playing a zealot preacher build, you're fucking it up because he has a great, he has great guns, really powerful guns that are super fun, but he has better melee weapons. And his skill tree, which they've completely revamped from the first version of, from, you know, year one of this game, is beneficiate, uh, benefits, sorry, benefits close quarters combat through and through. Medium range of close quarter. Then you've got Ogren, the big boy. The eight-foot behemoth with the size, with the brain the size of a peanut and the heart the size of an elephant's foot. It's incredible. This guy is the big friendly giant to his allies. To everything else, he's a fucking killing machine. He's got the most health, almost twice as much as the zealot who has, I think, the second most health. I can't confirm. He is the tank. Not only is he exponentially taller, 
And usually that makes no difference, right? It's just cosmetic. It physically makes a difference when you play because everything's first person. Other than when you're in the hub, it's third person when you're in the hub and you're not in combat. But when you're playing the game and you're in combat, everything is in first person. And when you're playing as the Elgrin, you, I shit you not, you are two feet taller than everything else around you. So everything is smaller to you. For the most part, that's a benefit. The only time that actually is not a benefit is when you can't hack and slash in range because things are getting at you below you. It's not a big deal. You can still kill them. You're not that tall. You're only eight, nine feet tall. But it's a little different a play style. Even your teammates are two to three feet shorter than you. It's a big difference. You can literally see over the horde and see things downrange that no one else can see. So an Ogren's also a spotter, and a lot of people don't play him like that, but when I'm playing as my Ogren build, and these are the two characters I have builds with, which is why I'm starting with them. I haven't played the other ones, not that I won't. I'm interested in them, but these two were my main ones I wanted to get into, and I'm having a blast, and I go back and forth and play them. Right now I'm really pushing my Zealot build because I'm... I'm almost level 30 with that, and there's a big turning point once you hit level 30. It unlocks Aur Auroric challenges, which is like even higher difficulty. Like, I'm not, I'm not even ready for that, but the fact that it unlocks, it tells me that there's a reason to push to level 30, you know? And I'm almost there, so I might as well. And I'm having a blast with the skill changes I've done. I still love my Ogren. I've been upgrading him, too. I pushed him for a couple days, got real high up with him, you know, leveled him up three or four times. So it's been a blast. Um... And it's incredible how different they play while still knowing you're playing Dark Tide, you know? Um. So, yeah. So, here's the thing. Um... So Ogren can see over things, so he can spot things and tag enemies more easily than others with accuracy and quicker. Uh, but he's a tank. He can take way more damage. Some of his skills allow more aggro on him. He can push through hordes. He hacks and slashes. Um, he's really good for beginner players because, one, he has more health. So it's just more forgiving because if you go in the fray and you try to fight the hordes with Ogren, you're just going to survive longer. It's so difficult to die as Ogren. You really have to go out of your way. Not to say you can't. You absolutely can, especially when you push in the higher tiers. That's what I like about this game. Easy to pick up and get into. And once you start bumping up that difficulty, the game's like, okay, you're gonna have to know how to play this game. Because this game is not just close your eyes and swing blindly. Not to say you can't do that. You absolutely can. But once you start getting tier 3, 4, 5, and on, and there's 5 in the basic, and then there's the auroric, and then there's 3 in auroric, which is... I I couldn't even fucking imagine how difficult that would be, because 3 is still whooping my ass. So I can't even imagine 4 or 5, let alone the highest difficulty nod uh, mode that you got to get to once you're level 30 that has 2 to 3 difficulties within that. That's nuts. And that's been added recently. That was not there at release. So, 
Anyway, I do think it's incredible because you can go in, you can have fun, you can hack and slash. It's sort of difficult. And then when you crank that up to 11, it's pushing your skills because the game says, well, you can dash. You can dash side to side. You can sprint. You can slide. You can crouch. You can melee. You can have a heavy swing, a light swing. You can have a specialized move that comes with that specific weapon if it does, which is a different button prompt. On top of that, you can not only block, you can parry, and you can push. That's all the melee. Now, the shooting is pretty simple. Shooting has aiming, shooting, and possibly an alternative firing mode. That's about it, but that's okay. But when you combine all these forms of movement, and you also have special abilities, right? You have your grenade or explosive variant. You've got your overpower, like superhuman special ability that's on a cooldown. And then you've got passive perks and buffs and abilities that just passively aid you and your teammates along throughout the game. Right? And then the different weapons can radically change how you play. If you pick up a grenade launcher as Ogren, you're not going to be playing the same as if you had his twin gun. You know, his twin machine gun that fires at a steady constant rate of high caliber rounds going down range. Good at suppressing fire, good at pinpoint damage. Whereas the grenade launcher is a single shot grenade thumper that just, boom. Funny enough, can instantly kill most enemies on impact before it even explodes. And then on its delayed timer, it will explode a small but powerful grenade radius. I picked it up and I originally didn't think I was going to have much fun with it because usually in games they have their grenade launchers function as an explosive device. Yes, and it's powerful for that, but because it's so inaccurate to know how to bounce the grenade, you know, how to aim it, since it has no damage until it explodes, so you still have to time it because it takes a few seconds for a detonation, and because you have limited ammunition, those are all downsides to grenade launchers in games usually because they understand they're giving you something that's firing fucking explosives. So it's already innately powerful. So they have to counterbalance it. And what I like what they did with Dark Tide is they're like, eh, we'll counterbalance it, but not that much. <laughs> so for one, it's very, very easy to understand where it bounces because it doesn't bounce all over the fucking place. It's quite a heavy impact. Where it hits, it doesn't move around much. It probably stays within a three-foot radius of where you shoot it. So if you, unless it has some unusual ricochet, but for the most part, if you shoot, if you shoot your grenade launcher and it shows a little line so you see the trajectory, which is not like an aimbot or cheating, you're gonna need it because you're facing the hordes. You're going against PVE and you're moving quickly. And eventually you get to a point where you don't need it, really, but it's still there. It doesn't hurt to have. Anyway, you launch that fucker. If, you launch, if you're using Ogren's Grenade Launcher, which I highly recommend. It's extremely fun. When you shoot the thing, first of all, you get plenty of ammo. So usually, like with a grenade launcher, you don't get enough ammo to work with it or to feel like it's worth it. Even if it's like a main weapon, not just like a special power-up weapon like certain games, but I mean like even as a main weapon. But in this, you get plenty of ammo. And there's ways you can get it so you have a little more, but for the most part, like, I think you get, like, at base 23 ammo. And when you pick up regular ammo refills, it refills that. It's not like some special, oh, you need grenades to refill it, or you need... No, 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 it's just regular ammo, so you're fine. And it fills up, you know, you get a light ammo box, it fills up, like, five or six grenades. So, for one, these grenades, when they hit their enemy, they, they will instantly kill any regular enemy. Just on impact. 
um, on a on some heavier armored enemies, they might still instantly kill them if you hit them in the head. On like a specialist enemy, they don't instantly kill them, but they one they stagger them. Staggering is an important mechanic in a lot of games that people don't really understand until you like play the game enough or you realize how vital it is. If you're able to stagger the enemy, you are buying yourself two or three or however many seconds of time. And that is a big difference. If you have a massive specialist enemy about to fucking maul you and your teammates to death, popping a grenade at his face and making him stop dead in his tracks, killing all of his momentum, while also preventing him from being able to advance as quickly to you. Just, yeah, I, you know, it's a one or two seconds, but it gives you one or two seconds to step back or reposition or have two more of your buddies aim at him or whatever. That's... Just having that ability to stagger things or instantly kill them on impact is actually quite a powerful mechanic in of itself using the grenade launcher. And that's awesome because that's not even the primary function. That's just the immediate function if you hit someone with the grenade on impact. You might kill them and or you might just stagger a heavier enemy that isn't as easy to kill. Because then you just wait a second and it explodes. Here's the reason, once again, to reinforce why staggering the enemy, why it's fucking ingenious for Fat Shark to realize that when the grenade hits an enemy, if it does not kill that singular enemy it hits on impact, it has to stagger them. It's one or the other. It's either killing them or it's staggering them. There's no like where it hits them, it bounces off of them, and they're keeping the same momentum unaffected by the impact of the grenade before detonation. And you might think this is such a small, pointless detail, but I'm pointing this out because one, it's ingenious and it's super fun to use, and two, it's vital to highlight how intuitive these devs are and even though they might have fucked up in the beginning of the launch how thoughtful they are about these things going forward you have to understand that this is something that would go over a lot of people's heads but i'm pointing it out for a reason because in video games in first person shooters when you have a grenade launcher as a main weapon what's the one problem we all face when we have that other than ammo disparity other than some of these other things i mentioned it's not the explosion. If the grenade explodes, it's fucking killing everything in its radius. It's pretty dope. That's why people usually want to use it, right? That's not hard to fathom. The problem is that the delay. Now, it's a balance. If it was instantly exploding on impact, that would be unfair as fuck, especially in a multiplayer scenario. But in a PvE, that would be unfair and unusual. So it has to have a delay, right? And that delay time has to be pretty decent. It can't be so goddamn long, there's almost no point in using it, but it can't be so short that you're just in everything's instantly exploding. There's that happy medium. And that just depends on the game and the way the game flows. So the, I think the timing of the grenade going off is really perfect for Dark Tide. But that's not even what I'm getting at. What's the bigger issue when you have something on a delay? It doesn't hit its target. Because even if you shoot it right at the target or right before it, even if you're leading your target where you shoot the grenade and it reaches a point that they're about to run into, it's still up in the air if you're timing it just right enough for it to explode and catch that said enemy in the radius, right? So having the element of if you just hit the fucker with the grenade itself and it staggers them, guess what? It doesn't stagger them long, like I said, right? You know how I said it didn't. It staggers them, but it really doesn't do it very long. It just kills their momentum and kind of staggers them. That doesn't actually cause much of a difference. What I, what I didn't mention to highlight this is it staggers them for the exact amount it takes for the grenade to go off. 
What an ingenious decision. So if you shoot a specialist with that grenade launcher, unless that specialist is super powerful or a mini boss, you're killing him in one shot because that grenade staggers them long enough to keep them in range for the grenade blast. And it will do that to any enemy it doesn't instantly kill. That's not to say that enemies can't skate by your grenade, right? It can only bounce and hit one enemy. If you're lucky, it might ricochet hit two. So if you shoot it at a normal enemy that isn't a specialist and it just kills them, the enemy surrounding him may move before it explodes, but it's a big enough radius and it still explodes fast enough where most of the time you're going to be getting a kill. And you just need a few matches with this motherfucking grenade launcher to understand the pace and the flow and the, the how it kind of works. And once you get the hang of it, oh my god, you just boom, boom, and you're just fucking people up left and right. It's very satisfying. It's my favorite gun on Ogre. But I wanted to point that out because a lot of games like miss out on that. When it's PvE, when it's Horde, you shoot a grenade, you shoot a grenade in the Horde, you're like, okay, this will explode a lot of them. And by the time it detonates, most of them are gone. It's impossible to maneuver with that because it's on a time. But the, even if you get used to how long it takes for the time, you're not used to how it bounces and all that. Usually the grenades are too bouncy. This, this grenade launcher is not that bouncy. It bounces a little bit. If it, I mean... It ricochets more if you kill somebody and it hits their head and it bounces through and off them, but it doesn't go very far. So it's a pretty solid, it's a big grenade. This is from the Ogren. This grenade is the size of a regular enemy's head. That's why it can kill them on impact. So these are huge grenades. It's really cool. So anyway, that's just one example of the balancing mechanics that are at play. It's a very subtle design, but that staggering mechanic. Now, every enemy can be staggered by if you sh shove them or melee them in a certain way, and there are certain abilities that stagger them longer, and that can mean the, the difference. You know, it makes the horde just slightly more manageable. But every, every class has a benefit, right? The psyker. The psyker is like the sorcerer. They've got all kinds of abilities. They've got a dope-ass sword and melee ability. They might have a gun, but really their main thing is using their magical powers. And their magical powers can pop the heads of any enemy. Or can shoot lightning. Or can throw, like, magical knives that, like, multi-target enemies. It's, and pierces through them like motherfuckers. Really powerful stuff, right? But there's a counterbalance. Because the more you use its spells, the more um, it builds up this meter of corruption, essentially. And if it does that, you lose some health, and I think you, like... Lose stamina. I don't quite know how it works. I've never used it, but I've seen some videos on it. So it's a balancing act. Meaning you can't just spam its specials all the time. But it's a risk-reward. It's not on an arbitrary cooldown where you have to just wait. It's a, it's a risk-reward. Like, the, the corruption meter will cool down. It will go back down if you don't use your spells for a second. It doesn't stay there permanently, right? But if you're spamming your spells, you're pushing that corruption meter up, and it depends on the spells, and it uses that amount, and it like you, you know it says that before you apply those spells. But my point is, it's a risk-reward. The higher ones use more of it, you know? And there are perks and benefits to reduce the usage or to help make it more manageable as a resource, so... I think that's a cool mechanic. I think that's a really good way of balancing things out. So, 
the veteran is uh, your average shooter, but uh, they get some guns later in the later game that is way better than most uh, folks' guns. They get cool swords and all that, and they get good uh, abilities relating to ballistics, right? Grenades, you know, explosives, and firearms. They're pretty traditional. You know? Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about skill trees real quick. So... When the game came out, there is traits. Uh, there's, uh, they're called, it's called a trait thing. Uh, it's still called traits and trait points and all that. But there was this thing, and it was very, very simple. It was like you get four main traits. One is like a, one is the grenade, three are passives, or two are passives, and then one is like a special, like ability. And that was it, like an activating ability. On a cooldown. Not a lot of diversity. Just a little bit. You had a little choice. But it didn't dramatically change how you play. Well with this new update. When the game went on Xbox consoles. And it's on Game Pass. So if you have Xbox. If you have Game Pass you can play it. If you have PC you have Game Pass you can play it. And I highly recommend you do. And it is cross play. And funny enough I found out. It is cross progression. Fully. Through and through. No hitches. No problems. Mwah. Thank you, Fat Shark. I'll talk about that later, why that's such a big deal. Um, but anyway. So. These skills. So in the beginning, in the base game, when it came out last year, you had some skills. You got some weapons. There was no weapon crafting. There's no upgrading your weapons. There weren't as many weapons. There weren't as many missions. The skill trees, you get like four or five. Like you have four trees and they only go down three ways. So essentially you get like 12 skill points. 12 skills. Passive and... And you can only choose one on the tree. Two. I think two on the tree. So maybe there's like eight total you can have active. Half of them are passive. Half of, or Most of them are passive. Some of them are active. I forget the exact amount. It was not very deep. About as deep as a puddle. Okay. And listen, this isn't an RPG game. This can have light RPG elements, so it doesn't need to be super intricate or deep. But I realized when I was playing the game, as much fun as I was having, what will keep me coming back? Because, yeah, it's fun. I like the gameplay loop. And that will always keep me coming back to a degree, right? Oh, I like killing the horde. But you know me, I like challenge. I like pushing myself. So right now, the biggest excitement is upgrading myself, getting more powerful, changing up and trying new builds, and pushing myself to do more challenging missions that I can't pass. I'm not that far in the game. I have not beat the hardest difficulties yet. So for me, there's still a lot of room to explore, grow, and push myself. And even if I get bored with one character, I've got another one that I'm working on. So I've got two that I go back and forth that I have fun with. And there's two more I can always explore. So for me, there's a lot of content right now. But there's always that question of, regardless of if there's a lot of content up front, how, how engaging is it for me to want to come back and play more by myself or with friends? And for the first year, none of my friends were able to get this game. So I was on my own. And I still enjoyed it because I liked the gameplay. I liked the visceral nature. I loved the gore, the graphics. I loved everything about it. I'm like, wow, this is really polished. Holy shit. And a lot of people were complaining because they played Vermintide, so they knew what they were missing. I was new to this type of franchise, so I was unaware of the stuff that was in Verm Vermintide. I never really I played that game for like an hour. So I never really played that game, Vermintide 1 or 2. So I had no fucking clue. That they had all these systems, way more classes, a whole skill tree. 
So I, I wasn't aware that the devs already knew how to do this and implement this. Because Vermintide's very similar, very similar to Darktide. In fact, it's so similar. The only difference is it's like medieval fantasy, like rats and shit, which don't interest me as much aesthetically as sci-fi futuristic dystopian. And it's not as much of a shooter, it's more of a melee. So it's like 80% melee, 20% shooting, whereas this is almost pretty... I would say this is 60% melee, 40% shooting, or 70% melee. So... To me, the melee is still more satisfying. It's more fleshed out. But the shooting is very competent, very satisfying, very fun. And the guns really do make a difference. So the shooting is perfectly viable and fun in this game as well. Uh, just not quite as challenging, which is fine. But if you stay back and you shoot, you're going to usually have an easier time unless you're stuck reloading, unless the horde rushes you. And that's the design of the game. The game has moments where there's special enemies where you can pinpoint and shoot. Or you have guns that can mow down the horde. But for the most part, if you're reloading or if you have a single fire or semi-auto gun, you're fucked once that horde comes. You've got to switch to your melee. you got to just hack and slash. Because you're not worrying about ammo consumption. You're not worrying about reload or fire rate. None of that. If you see them, you can pretty much hit them. So it's a good balance. And the enemies do the same thing. Also, I want to point that out. Enemies have guns and melee. They can shoot you and they can stab you. And if you get too close to them, they will put their gun away and they will switch to melee. Very simple, very subtle design. But when you think about that, I use that a lot. I'm a zealot, right? That's who I mean. So I'm rushing in. I am an assassin. I get in the lines. I get in the CQB real quick and try to take as much of them down quickly. And what I've realized is... A lot of the ones that are like shooting suppressing fire or sniping or really just oppressing my teammates who are slower or who are further away, who force them into a long-range conflict, I can get up to these guys and just as soon as I step up close to them, even if I don't engage with them, they switch their sidearm. So all them automatically, my friends back, you know, 12 paces behind me can move up because now they're not being suppressed by fire. Small designs like that really help elevate the gameplay and the ways you choose to interact with the world, and I really appreciate that. Um, and it's stuff you only learn once you play the game and play it enough and pay attention. I mean, sure, I just told you, but not many people are going to really pick up on that unless you play it enough and play that role or do that and pay attention. So it's, I, I like that. I like that there's depth to the combat, to the difficulty, because if it wasn't, if it was just shallow and everything was like one hit and easy, I, I, I'd be uninterested. I wouldn't play this game. But progression matters too. And the feeling of progression and learning needs to be tied together. Because I'll be honest, there's still sometimes something that's lacking. Maybe it's because I'm not getting rewarded enough for pushing through. Maybe because I'm, I'm at a sticky point because I'm trying to get to, to level 30. right? So there could be some things with that. But this new skill tree is massive. This changes a lot. This makes this game way more fun to play this is just one addition i can't imagine once they start adding new skill trees new points new classes right more weapons more maps more modes which they're going to desperately need soon um things like that it's insane the skill tree we went from like eight total skill points that could be used to 60 I don't know how many it could be used, but there's like 60 available. So now you've got three main paths 
Originally, you had an option for one to two different grenades. They've added three, an, a third type of grenade to every class. They've added a third type. They've added a third. It was two types of everything: two main ultimates, two main grenades, and a couple points in between. So basically, they went from what would be about eight to twelve skills and skill points, passive and active, all across the board, to sixty for each class. That is insane. That changes everything, folks. First of all, it changes your rate of progression. Every time you level up, you get a point. Simple as that. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, you could have different loadouts for the points. You could switch between loadouts. Praise the Lord. So you could quickly swap so you don't have to spend time individually removing points and adding them back. And resetting your tree and all that. You could do it in advance. You could have it preset at different loadouts. And you could change the icons of these loadouts. So you know which one does what. It's ingenious. It's easy to read. It's easy to understand. Uh, once you get more used to it. So you can quickly go through the skill tree too. It's not convoluted. It's not complex to navigate. It's nice. It allows a lot of depth. And it instantly changes how we all play the game. Instantly. First of all, everything has way more impact now in these skill points every there's so many more things in between that give you so much more passive abilities and you feel the difference that's important it's not just a statistical difference and i said this before in my last episode about warhammer when you get a gun and it says oh it does 10 percent more damage they're not fucking around it's doing 10 percent more damage whether or not you realize that you're killing people just fast enough to feel the difference and that matters when once again time is of the essence because you have a horde closing in on you and the longer you stay there the more vicious they get and you don't have infinite health. You have health packs and health stations, sure, but that is few and far between. So you have to watch your health, you have to watch your ammo, you have to watch your resources. It's not a lot. It's not a survival horror game in that sense. You still have plenty to get through missions, but you will run low if you're not careful. You can't just run and gun. This game does not allow that, and for people who think they can, they're going to be very upset. This is not that type of game. Now, this isn't a tactical crawl, peak corners, go slow. This isn't GTFO. I want to try that game, but I, I've heard how difficult it is. Um, this isn't that, but this is... You can't run and gun. You can in, in, in focus close moments. Sure, you can hack and slash when the hordes come in, all that. You can run and gun with them. But if you run into a room without being aware of what you're running into, and you just start going loud, and you don't have... All or at least some of your teammates in proximity to you, you're gonna die quickly. You're just gonna get flanked. You're gonna get outmaneuvered. This game is not designed for one person to take on the horde. It just, you simply can't. They will chip away at your health. And because health doesn't regen, your armor might, depending on who's with you. But things don't automatically regen. And even if they do, due to passive abilities from your teammates, they don't do it very quickly. So you have to be cautious. Don't be wrong, you can still run and, you know, you can still run and gun. And if your whole team is entering the room and you guys want to run and gun, absolutely. You have enough firepower and enough people covering your back. It's simply, there are specialist enemies that pin you down and keep you pinned down and chew away at your health. And you can't do anything about it until someone helps you out and kills them and gets them off you or picks you up. The Trapper, I forgot to mention the Trapper. Fuck those guys. The Trapper, the Hound, and a couple others, the Mutant. They completely can incapacitate your, your ability to fight and keep you locked 
in a state of being down, slowly losing health until someone comes and picks you up. So if you're way down range by yourself trying to lone wolf it, you will die. Because if you get caught, if the hound jumps on you before you can kill it, if the trapper shoots you before you could stop him, which happens a lot of times, you're stuck. That's a balance to the game. They did that intentionally to make it so one person can't run through and just level everything. It's a very subtle way of forcing you, even if you're in a public lobby with co-op, with Randy's, it's forcing the gameplay to say you're, you've got to have someone in proximity to come and help you. Otherwise, you're going to suffer the consequences. Hell, death is tied to that. If you die, if you go down, you know, you have a chance for most part for someone to revive you. That's great, right? And when you die permanently, you don't die permanently, by the way. When you die, you watch, you know, you, you, you're you on a timer, 30 seconds to a minute, whatever. You're watching, you can watch your teammates while you wait. Then you respawn, but you don't come back alive. You respawn ahead of them at the next checkpoint, essentially. And you're imprisoned. You're guard by, guarded by a few people. You can't do anything. Your guy is just sitting there tied up waiting. So you have to wait for your teammates to push their way to you and then come pick you up. And they still have to pick you up. For my solo players, don't worry. The bots are really good. Like, surprisingly, the bots in this game are quite good. They will do the objective they will kill the horde they will cause distractions they will use their specials they will melee they will shoot they will they will kill specialist enemies some of them go off at times they will do more damage than you do sometimes they take your kills too which sucks but whatever um and they will revive you they will if you're in proximity to a bot they will try to revive you Obviously, they're still not as good as a real player, but they are really good. They are reliable. They're not potato brain retards like fucking Payday 3. And they require no micromanagement, which is nice. They just automatically know how to do and prioritize the important things. It's very nice. So it's it's really cool. So anyway, really good balancing and gameplay decisions throughout with the skill tree and the diversity um the incredible gunplay, melee, some of the small subtle design changes and, and things that are implemented to to encourage co-op and, and balance and, and a little more thought to how you go about it. And because the skill trees are now different and you can have passive abilities and things that really change the way you as an individual plays and the perks and benefits you get, as well as how your team benefits from it, is, an, is a really welcome and refreshing addition to the game. And it was instantaneous. I mean, as soon as this update went live, all these skills are available to unlock once you're the highest, high enough level to push through. So now we have a new progression system that's actually fun to dig our teeth into, as well as having the numerous progression systems already with getting better weapons and upgrading those said weapons. And while that's good, that's not huge because you, you can get a weapon that you like and all that. That's not as hard to push. 
Um, I'm going to now talk about some of the cons. I don't have many. The gameplay is great. It's fun. It's engaging. It's exciting. They've got enough progression, enough things to get into. Just talking about it now makes me want to get back into it. But I do have cons, and I do want to address them because I'm not going to be... I'm going to try to be objective here. I do love the game. I do think people should get it. And the fact that it's on Game Pass, the fact... Oh, also, another huge gameplay thing that I meant to mention. And a huge difference from the game launch. The servers were kind of buggy and all these things. All these features, all these things should have been here at launch. I get that, but they're here now. I'm not complaining. I was upset that it was lacking for so long. Killed so much momentum. But the fact they were able to bring it back, bring it for free, and bring so many more people into the fold, I'm all for it. Another big thing, I hope this game comes to PlayStation. I really do, and I hope when it does, and if it does, it is fully cross-play as well. PlayStation folks deserve that. But here's the thing. Um, it's on Xbox, it's on PC. It is fully cross-play and fully cross-progression. Day one when it came to Xbox. That's important. I also want to point out that even though it had technical hiccups for like a week, not even... And it wasn't like Payday 3 hiccups when the game first came out in November 2022 on PC. I'm telling you, the technical hiccups are like, sometimes you'd queue up in a server, take a while, sometimes it'd boot you out, sometimes the game would crash. Still, day one, I played the game for a few hours, no problem. And there were some bugs and, and glitches, but there was nothing game-breaking. Some visual bugs. Oh well. Like, it really wasn't that bad for me. By the end of the first week, they patched it and refixed some of their optimization, and NVIDIA pushed out a new uh, update to the graphics and made it a little better. In fact, the only real problem I had with the game was it ran my GPU real hot on my PC, and it still does. So I found the happy balance where it still looks and plays great and doesn't actually blow up my computer. So this game runs my GPU a little hot, but I also like having it ticked on a little higher graphic settings than I do other games. So, I really love the lighting of this game. Call me a filmmaker, but good lighting gets me a little stiff. So, anyway, um, so I just wanted to point that out. It is cross-play, cross-progression, through and through, between Xbox, between PC, and something people don't realize if you're not on PC. It is cross-play between both PC versions. There's Steam version and there's a Microsoft Store version. If you're on Game Pass, you have the Microsoft Store version. If you're on PC and you bought it through Steam um, and not downloaded it through PC Game Pass, if you don't have Game Pass or whatever, so you... If you don't have Game Pass, you're most likely buying this game on Steam. Like, if I didn't have Game Pass, I would have bought this on Steam. And sometimes Steam doesn't allow you or Microsoft's you know, own storefront doesn't allow the version of the game you bought on PC, even though you're both on PC, to play with one another. So there's a miniature cross-progression. Most games automatically allow you, but sometimes they don't. And they didn't at first with Warhammer, and now they do. So if you're on Steam, or if you're on Game Pass on PC, and you have buddies on PC, you can play with them regardless of which version they have on PC. So that's a big plus. And then beyond that, for your friends on console... You can play with them. It is seamless. It is just drop it. It's Hell, it is drop in, drop out. You can invite them. All that. It's what you would expect in a cross-progression, cross-play. And cross-progression means if you play on PC, but you also have an Xbox and you want to play it on Xbox for uh, whatever reason, you're on the go or your PC's down or whatever, you can still do that. It picks up right where you left off if you have it on Game Pass. 
I went to a buddy's house to dog sit for him. So I was I was there all day, right? So I had nothing to do. I wanted to play some Dark Tide. So I downloaded it on my Xbox. I took my Xbox over there. I didn't play it much that day, but I played a little bit, and it worked. All my stuff was there. Like, it was nobody's business. Easy peasy. So I really appreciate that, that it works. Sometimes when you load into a game and you hear it's cross-play and cross-progression... It's convoluted. Oh, you gotta jump into the server. Oh, you gotta change your settings. Oh, you gotta reconfigure and tweak. And trust me, we're gonna do that. Because when you have friends on different platforms and you don't want to play together, you're gonna figure out how to play together. But the games that make it just easy. Oh, just invite your friend. Oh, you see them there? Invite them through that network. Or even if you gotta set up an account and add them as a friend within our server, that's no problem. We're used to that. So, Rocket League, Call of Duty... Games like that, they do it really well. They make it seamless. Dark Tide is up there now. I really appreciate that. We haven't had a networking issue once. We had one time where things glitched out and I couldn't load up a match and I had to leave and rejoin and then I loaded up a match fine. We haven't had networking issues. We haven't had stutters. We haven't had frames. We haven't had disconnections. We haven't had lack of quality of experience because we have crossplay going. This game... Desperately, desperately, desperately needed crossplay at launch. And I said that before this game came out on Xbox. I said, if they don't have crossplay at launch, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. And I'm also, I'm going to be livid because it means they're killing their community. Because these types of PvE horde games thrive off of crossplay. The more people, the less barriers that friends have to be able to play with each other when they're going against PvE. It's not even PvP, the better. So I'm so, so glad that Dark Tide figured their shit out, that Fat Shark got it working. Because it's always a risk. You never know. Could the servers be down? Could it be buggy? Could crossplay not work? Would they have to disable it? Would the social bar not work? You know what I mean? Like, there's usually so many problems. Hell, even Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty, their social bar didn't work for the first three days. It didn't matter who you were. You just couldn't play with your friends. Hoop, too fucking bad. Ooh, we missed that. Huh? You're Call of Duty. You're a billion-dollar franchise. How do you miss that? Right? But Fat Shark, even though they had a rough launch on PC a year ago, honestly, wasn't that rough. But I understand some people had more problems with it because they had higher expectations. I'm not knocking that. Absolutely, I understand. So for me, the fact that it had basically a new launch on consoles and kind of a re rebirth of itself on PC, a, a huge update that changed a lot of things, it works. <laughs> Thank God. It like it has no that I've known technical issues. It has been buttery smooth. They literally had a hot fix come out yesterday for the game, like a gigabyte or something, not not that big. And apparently, you know, it's fixing some optimizations and it's tweaking and bug fixing all that. Honest to God, I don't know why they have that. I didn't read the patch notes, but to me, like I'm like, what they need a hot fix for? There's nothing that's broken. That's how efficiently it's running. I'm not saying there isn't issues. I'm not saying people haven't run into them. So I'm glad they're doing hot fixes and addressing issues that come up. Great. But for me and my friends, we haven't experienced any issues from a technical side. And that's a huge, huge beneficial factor. When you're trying to get your buddies into a new game or when you're trying to play with your friends, we don't have infinite time. So if the game is just hard to navigate, is slow... Requires you to close out and reopen, crashes a bunch, is buggy, features don't work, or you're not sure if it's not working or if you just don't know how to do it. All that just, one, delays your process to getting into the game and playing with your friends and makes you resent the game 
And two, if it's on their side, it's on their side. It wasn't, it won't get fixed until it is, right? So you just, you might be stuck with some shitty UI or, or a system that, a cross-play system that isn't very efficient or whatever this, the case may be. So the fact that we can just get in and play with each other. And as once my buddies finish the prologue and the basic tutorial, like the basic combat mechanic tutorial, which took them no more than 30 minutes, we were all loading in. We were all in a game. It's seamless. And I really appreciate that. Because Dark Tide knows what it wants you to do. It wants you to get in the game, learn the basics, create your character if you haven't, you know, if you're new to the game, of course. But once you do that, it just wants you to get in the game, join with your friends or join with the public lobby or play however you choose or with whomever you choose to play with. And it wants you to just get into that game quickly. It loads up quickly. You're in a game. You're playing the game. It's not trying to waste your time. It wants you to get into the action and have fun. And that is evident throughout the entire game, and I deeply appreciate that. So this game is more pros and cons, and I do highly recommend it. Let me get into some of the cons and some thoughts on where I think this game needs to go in the future. Alrighty. So I've talked about the gameplay overviews, a lot of the pros, the things that really just make me love this game. And like I said, this game is one of my favorites right now, and I do highly recommend it. So... But it doesn't come without problems, and I don't want to be completely biased and just say this game is perfect, it's flawless, because it's not. There are issues with this game, and it's not really technical issues, maybe some, but for me, there are some design things that uh, frustrate me. And to be fair, it could be because I'm just not there yet in level, or whatever. But there are some systems at play that make this game a little harder to stick with than others. And the biggest one I'm noticing now, at first I really had no problem with this. Now, mind you, I played by myself. I was willing to experiment. I was learning the game. I was learning a lot of the mechanics. And so for the first 20 to 30 hours, I had no problem. I'm about 30 hours into this game total now. And now I'm playing it with a group of friends who have to stay at these certain levels to keep it fair for them so they can level up accordingly. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But the, the problem is, and the problem that they're going to start feeling which I hope doesn't dissuade them from wanting to play the game, but it's something we shouldn't have to compensate for, is repetitiveness. I've talked about this before, but I want to really hammer this down. Repetition in a game is not the end of the world, and not everything has to be unique and diverse and never seen before. And the way that Warhammer Darktide works structurally in its gameplay loop when you load into a level is you pick a map, random, Everything's kind of random. You have a selection, but it's on a timer, so every five minutes it refreshes with a different difficulty, different special affixes to the mission for a different map and a different mission. But you can have a, a mission objective type. There's only like five different types. It's really not that diverse. And there's only like eight or nine different maps. So, honest to God, after playing ten different missions... I'm pretty sure you've experienced all of the maps and missions variety. Now, to be fair, that's not the most important thing to the longevity of the gameplay. The more important thing is the traits, the leveling up, the getting better weapons, and progressively finding more difficult enemies. Right? So that will keep us in it longer. I'm excited to keep figuring out and getting better gear. That's an exciting push for me. But it becomes more 
difficult to want to continue to do that. Not much more difficult. Trust me, I'm still going to play the damn game today by myself. I have no problem with that. But it's just going to be slightly more inconvenience uh, because we've been there, we've done that, we've seen it all before. Now, in terms of the map design, let me get this real clear and, and straight. The map design's fucking fantastic. <laughs> Every map I've played on is kind of familiar. Not too different, but they look great. Like, everything looks incredible. The scale, the graphics, the lighting, the atmosphere. It, it logically makes sense. It's not too confusing. There are times where you get turned around and you're like, where the fuck do I go now? But for the most part, it's not that bad. There are so many games that have way harder way more uh, appalling map design so this game every map looks great every map plays and flows and functions great to the design of the gameplay and the combat it's good for close quarters it's good for long range it allows the horde to feel overwhelming at times it allows bottlenecks and choke points it has points of advantageous uh, combat areas and uh you know and other so it's dynamic I like that. It's got small pockets, caverns, hidden things, trinkets, gear, supplies, extra things to find. But that's not the priority. It's not an exploratory game. It's not a looter shooter. You're not walking around aimlessly looking for that rare gun. You're just hoping you get an ammo pickup, maybe some plasteel or diamantine or whatever the fuck they are. There's two special resources that are very, very, very valuable. You'll get a little bit for completing the missions, but you get more if you just find them throughout the map for the most part. You can find them in small, medium, and large quantities. And they're in yellow crates, and they're laying around sometimes out in the open. And when you're in like a 10-meter range, it'll like highlight that there's something to go look at. So it's not too difficult to find them. But when you find them and you collect them, You'll get them at the end of the mission when you complete it. Um, and they go towards upgrading your weapons. And they're valuable because it takes a lot to upgrade your weapons. So every little bit you get is meaningful and it's not individualized. So if your buddy picks up the large plasteel stash, by the end of the game everyone gets that equally. It's shared across the entire party. So it's really cool. That's about it for the exploration. Sometimes there's secondary objectives, which is like find these grimoires or find these whatever little books and shit. Let me be very clear. Those are either glitched and broken right now, which I feel like they are. I feel like there's some UI map navigation glitches going on because I do not recall when I played it before this patch to have so much difficulty finding these things. Now, they're hard to find in general, and that's kind of the point, and that's fine. But I mean like literally just regular objectives as well, like knowing where to go. Usually you either press a button or like after a few minutes it will just pop up a light, like just pop up a little dot, you know, on the map and say, so you know, okay, that's just the general direction we got to go to. It's not much. It's not really telling you where to go. It's just saying, hey, okay, this is the direction because you guys, because you sometimes will backtrack and you're like, wait a second, we've been here before. It gets a little complicated at times. And I guarantee you, I, I promise you, I never had that type of difficulty before this update. So I feel like there's a glitch where we're not seeing that little pop-up guiding thing. Where it's like after five minutes of not pushing the objective, it'll show that. Because you're really not supposed to be hanging around in a place once you clear the area for more than five minutes. Really. I mean, unless you're taking a break or someone's going to use a restroom or whatever, you really shouldn't be. 
The game doesn't want you to. The horde will come to you. There will be more difficult enemies the longer you stay. It's trying to push and string you along because it, because you're you got to get that cash. You got to get that cash, that XP, and the extra little uh, goodies you get at the end of that mission. That's what you're there for. You got to get in and get out. Right. That's all it is. Okay, so there's that at play. Um, but the map design overall, other than that possible glitch or possible little difficulty navigating, for the most part, is phenomenal. It looks great, it plays great, it makes sense. Great. The mission design. Not phenomenal. It's solid. It's good. I don't have a problem with it. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm not like, this is the greatest mission design variety I've ever seen. I think if we're going with like... You know, kind of linear mission progression, pushing through. Halo campaigns win. The OG ones. The mission variety, the, the diversity, the intrigue, and the way it ties everything together and works with the atmosphere is always exciting in Halo. Nothing will really beat that, in my opinion. Sometimes Call of Duty, but um, it's hard. It's hard to beat those. So, this is repetitive as fuck. You will be doing the same goddamn missions in and out. So, you will be doing the... There's like five or six different types of missions. There's like collecting the intel, like scanning stuff and fighting it. I hate that. It's so brutally slow. I try to avoid those at every cost. That's my least favorite mission. It's not the end of the world. It's just I, It's just so... God, it just kills every momentum in the game. It's, it feels like it shouldn't be part of this type of game. But it, it's there. The assassination type, kind of my favorite, very simple. You just push into this final room, you kill this boss, it's easy, you don't even have to extract. Honestly, my favorite one. Then there's raid. I honestly don't remember really what the fuck you're doing in a raid. I don't know if you're hacking stuff, but there's so many where you're just placing a little skull thing, you're hacking it, you're defending these points. Sometimes it's like a midpoint little objective in a room because you're hacking or opening up these doors, so you got to defend these things. And when they go down and they malfunction, someone's got to get on them and do this very, very simple puzzle timing game. Not even difficult at all, which is good. I actually don't want it to be difficult. It should be easy and quick to get. It's just a small blockade. And then you fight the horde. Is it repetitive? Yes. Especially when you play the same map, you have to do the same place over and over and over and over. Is it repetitive? Yeah. Is it still okay? Yes. Why? Because it's really not that important. The percentage of time and energy you spend on doing these missions and objectives are so incrementally smaller compared to what you're actually doing. Those missions are to string you along to get to point A, to point B, to point C, and out. That's it. Think of it as just a very thin guiding thread. Very thin line for you to follow on the road to know where the fuck to go and how to get something done. It's kind of nice, because it means you don't just get stuck and lost. If there is no objectives or no missions, you'd just be killing hordes and it'd get really boring and really stale. So it pulls you along at a decent pace. That's all it is. Imagine it as a metronome. Nothing more, nothing less. Treat it like nothing else. It's a metronome. It is to help you keep pace with the flow of that mission. That's all. It's just getting you to room room because the real reason why we're playing this game is to kill the hordes in the most brutal and fun fashion to experiment with our powers to play with our friends and to experiment with our weapons to become more powerful and kill more enemies that are more difficult 
and get better rewards the more difficult they are. That's the gameplay loop, and it's phenomenal at that. This game excels at that. It's so fun to play, and it's so fun to progress and push yourself to higher tiers of difficulty. That's what the bread and butter is. So you have to change your mentality going into this game. You have to go in and know you're going to be doing the same goddamn maps and the same goddamn missions, and that's okay. Because the maps are fun and diverse, and the more you get to know them, the faster you can get through them. You're here to fight the enemies. But this brings a massive problem, a huge point of friction in my mind. Because you can change your mentality, and I think you should when you play Dark Tide. We're not playing it for the missions. The missions aren't that unique. We're not playing it for this and that, right? We're playing it to kill the horde, to fight harder enemies, to get better gear, better points, to change our way of gameplay and gameplay style, and to push into higher tier difficulty and to get the rewards for that, right? Okay, so that's all good. That makes sense. And it's don't get me wrong. The thing that holds this game together is it's so fucking fun to play it, to actually kill and fight and get in combat, and it's allowing you to do that eighty-five to ninety percent of the time. The other 5% is traversal and mission objectives. So it's honest to God, still staying very focused in its gameplay loop. There's not a lot of time where it's dicking around and making you do stuff that has nothing to do with the combat. There's always enemies. There's almost always hordes. There's very, very, very small, very brief moments where there's nothing going on. And that's not very often. So it's okay because they still are keeping their pacing. If it was completely inverse and it was like, you just walk around and there are times where you just kill all the enemies in the room and there's nothing else to do until you figure out the objective. Diablo runs into this problem sometimes and it dramatically affects the gameplay. When you're doing regular missions or campaign levels. That's why we like to play Nightmare Dungeons in Diablo. Once you get through the campaign and once you get high enough, right? Because you just want to do the one thing Diablo's best at is killing hordes of enemies with your new abilities and new weapons and getting new weapons because of it. That's it. That's why we play Diablo. It's the same reason why we play Dark Tide. The only difference is Dark Tide doesn't need like a special mode that you have to spend 30-40 hours to get to that makes it its consistent bread and butter. If you have Diablo 4, it's really fun. It's one of my favorite games. I highly recommend you play it and you get it and you enjoy it. It's coming to Game Pass next year, so if you have Game Pass, just wait if you don't have it already. But it's really fun. I highly recommend it, but here's the thing. Once you get the campaign's good, it's a good story. Once you get through it, it's all well and good. There's good things. The open world's kind of fun. But once you explore the open world enough, once you do a few enough Helltide events, and once you beat the campaign once, it kind of like all right. I don't really want to go through. It's like it's the open world's okay. It's not bad. It's just not that interesting. It's not that fun to engage with. The fun is those nightmare dungeons. So once you get to a high enough level and you do those, you're just gonna want to do those. Right? Dark Tide knew better. Dark Tide knows within the first hour of your gameplay with Dark Tide, it's introducing you to its core mechanics in the main gameplay loop throughout the entire game, and that is its bread and butter, and it allows that to be the focal point 80 to 85% of the game. Everything else is either walking to a kill room, upgrading yourself, or doing the mission objective. And sometimes the mission objective still includes killing something. So it's still staying in tune with what you're doing. And so for that, I can't knock it too bad. It's the only reason in my mind that this game is not boring. Because the mission variety 
and the map variety is so fucking lackluster that it's a godsend that they have this much progression and that it's this fun to play. Because if it wasn't, this game would die. And just because it's this fun to play and just because there's this much progression does not mean this game can go very long without increasing its maps and its modes. It has to do that. And it has to do that within the next update. Even if it's just one new map and one new mode. One new type of mission objective. And it's not that the mission... The mission objective doesn't actually have to be that interesting. It's not supposed to be. It's just kind of there, right? It's like a metronome. Like I said, it's just to keep pace. It's, it's, it shouldn't be very difficult. It shouldn't take too much time. It just takes just enough time to divert your attention to that. And it's not supposed to be frustrating. It's just easy. It's just a simple task. It's just to pace yourself throughout the, the levels so the hordes feel more substantial. So you're not just... It's important, okay? It's very important to the pacing of the game, and I realize that. So I'm fine with that. But it's... So they're not bad. They're just, they're just there. They're not a problem. They're okay. They could be frustrating. They could be annoying. They could be really poorly designed. They're none of that. The maps and the game modes are... The maps are phenomenal, for one. There's just not that many of them, so it gets repetitive. But because they're so phenomenal and because everything else works so well, it's okay. But we need some more maps because they're so phenomenal. I just want to see some new ones. That's all. Hell, having the same objective on different maps is still exciting. So, honest to God, if they had an update that had three new missions types, objectives that will be constantly in rotation and three new maps, I can't explain to you how much more refreshing that will be. Because those maps and modes can get intermingled and matched, right? You can have a different objective on a different map or the same objective twice in a row but on different maps or the same map with two different objectives. It's random, right? These two things are separate elements and they sort of line up and that allows, en allows enough variety. But honestly, I think most of my friends, we've all played the same missions, maps, and modes, right? Okay. So that's one thing, but here's another factor, an a very important variable to this whole thing that I've failed to mention so far, that I think is true. I I've realized this personally playing since I've been playing with friends. I challenge myself, right? I push myself into higher tiers faster than I should, and I keep pushing that. So me dying prematurely is actually doesn't make it makes me enjoy it because I want to push further and do it again and do it again. So, when I was playing solo, some of it was a little repetitive, but it wasn't as bad, because I kept pushing myself, because I f think when you do a different difficulty, it's, it's slightly different maps and stuff. It's still all the same maps and modes, but it's slightly different, different arrangements. It spices it up more. I think there is a, even though it's kind of scrambled, I think there is a preset determined amount of, like, right now we're doing tier 2 difficulty with me and my buddies, for the most part. We've done a couple Tier 3s. I'll be honest with you, as soon as we jumped into Tier 3, I had way more fun. Was it more difficult? Did we lose? Yeah. I didn't care. It was just so much more dynamic. It was a different map. It was the same mission, but it was a different map. And more importantly, the biggest factor that really makes the gameplay feel different is different enemies. Way more difficult enemies. And some new enemies my friends have never fought yet. Because in each difficulty... And come to think of it, folks, there might be enemies I've never fought before. I don't think there is, but there might be. 
And then in each map or mode, there's like special in engagement, like special bonuses, maybe secondary objectives or special factors that make it a little different, even regardless of the mode and map. Low intensity hunting ground, so less enemies, less regular enemies, higher chance of more hounds. Um, malevolent. Whenever anything, it, it could be tier one, tier two, tier three, but I think it's only tier three and up actually. But tier three, any map, and it could be malevolent. And it's just like a general raid, which I think raids are just clearing the area. Clearing the area, getting to the next zone, and then clearing that area, and then evacuating. It's a simple, just go through it and do it. But like, in a malevolent, even if you were doing, even if it was a tier three, which is more difficult in tier two, significantly more, when you're doing malevolent, it is way more specialist enemies, and they are way more powerful. I did a malevolent tier three a couple days ago, loaded into it, as soon as we dropped in the elevator, there was like three crushers, heavily armored crushers. We got through it, but, you know, it was intense. So those things keep it spicy, and, and that's fun, right? And so leveling up, having the guns, having new enemy types, new enemy variants, and difficulties to completion, I think is actually the most unique thing, and will keep it refreshing and exciting. But the problem is that, that there's these slow points because when you're upgrading you're just simply not powerful enough and not capable enough quite yet to push to that next tier my friends are almost there honestly i think once they're between level 10 and 15 anywhere between that range and they get a few more points a few better weapons and a little more comfortable with the game i'm saying just a few more hours honestly we're going to be pushing tier threes we will be losing a little more tier three is a massive ramp up of difficulty i I don't know the actual statistical percentage difference, but I'm telling you, like, from Tier 1 to Tier 2 difficulty, it's probably, like, a 10 to 15% difficulty. But from Tier 2 to Tier 3, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's, like, a 40% to 50% difficulty spike. It's almost... For one, it's way more fucking enemies. It's a lot of them. That's the first thing. And there's a lot more specials, and they're a lot more harder to kill. So, I appreciate that. So that's where the real difference in the gameplay. But we're talking about matches that can take 20 to 30 minutes long. And when you're just playing level 2, you only have so many level 2s available. Because my biggest con with this game is the fucking map selection. Mission and map selection. I don't mind that they're automatically paired and that they're randomized. But the problem is, it's on a timer. Every 5 minutes, this map refreshes. What does that mean? Well, that means if you fail the mission, you don't get to immediately retry it unless you're lucky enough where it's there again. Now, after a few minutes, it will cycle through because there's not that much diversity. So it will cycle through again. You will get that pairing and you'll be able to do it. You know, we had this tier three assassination and we got pretty far and we failed and I wanted to do a retry. There might be a retry button I'm missing. I'm pretty sure there is because I'm pretty sure I've retried the mission before. <clears throat> so it might be a glitch or it might be something I'm missing. If there's not, there needs to be a retry button. Because I know that's on a random timer, I know all these things, but if you're playing with a squad that you're already merged with, a strike team you're already with, you should have the option to retry that same mission if you fail it. Instantly. You shouldn't have to load into a different mission or wait for it to cycle through. This whole, like, on a five-minute timer is fucking ludicrous. This isn't an open-world game. I don't get why these mission... What's the point? There's not enough mission diversity in the first place. 
right? I get it to switch up the presets. You could still have it like already tethered to this map and this mode, but just have them all there for a choice. Or at the very least, if you're going to have it cycle through and refresh, don't put it at a five minute timer. That's way too short. Put it on an hour timer. That allows somebody to retry the same mission at least three times on average. And their thought may be like, well, you know, if you're a fast team, you could like push through all the missions on the map and then you'll get bored. No. Most missions take 20 to 30 minutes. That's one. That's two to three missions at most. And then the whole thing refreshes anyway. It doesn't matter. But five minutes? Five minutes doesn't even give you enough time to make sure all your friends are ready to load up. They could be in the middle of something. They could be using the restroom. They could need water. They could have, you know, responsibilities come up. That's not enough time. So when you find this mission, you're like, oh, this is a mission we all want at a difficulty we want with some things. It's got a good amount of XP and gold and some secondary, like it was perfectly lined up. And then it just vanishes. And you're like, well, hopefully that comes back again in a few minutes. It's not the end of the world, but it's extremely frustrating because it makes it unable to retry the same exact mission if you fail, unless I'm missing something. Once again, I could be. And it, it just so kick up that timer and don't make it 30 minutes. Don't make it the length of an average match because then you don't get to retry it. Make it an hour. An hour is plenty time. That gives you at least two attempts at a mission on average. It makes it so there's no pressure if your buddies have to go do something for a few minutes. I feel bad. I've loaded up into matches while they're in the middle of picking their gear. And I know you could pick your gear in the loading screen, but I was still doing that while they're in the middle of figuring out their tree because that timer was ticking down. There's only like 10 seconds left. I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to hit this. I'm going to start it, deal with the consequences later. That stuff is frustrating. That's part of that live service model that doesn't need to be there. It's completely a waste of time. And I, I absolutely just fucking hate it. So get rid of that damn timer or kick it up. One or the other. Kick it up to an hour or get rid of it. But putting it on a five-minute timer makes no fucking sense when you're refreshing the missions that often. Makes it impossible to keep any consistency. Which is hilarious because I was just complaining about the fact we keep doing the same damn missions. That's part of it. You also just don't get to choose as, as easily. You still get to choose. Thank God it's not like you just hit quick play. There is a quick play option. You can hit quick play and it just randomly loads you in. And that might be fine too. But you get to choose. And I'm not mad that it refreshes because it has different variables. High engagement, uh, malevolent, tier 2, tier 3, uh, extra cash. Oh, this is assassination. That's fine. But it's just five minutes? That's not a lot of time. So, make it an hour, add a retry, add an immediate retry so we don't even have to go back to the home screen if we all vote to retry. Because you can vote to merge your strike team in a public match. That doesn't matter. That's great for socializing. But vote to retry to redo the mission you failed. Why not? It's all there. It's baked in. Can the server not pull that game back up? Yeah, just fucking failed it. How could you not retry it? That makes no sense. Why would you have to wait until it just randomly pops back up? I don't like that. Small grievance, but one that really does hinder the experience. 
So when we talk about the replayability and all that and the fact that it gets repetitive, we need some new missions, we need some new modes, we need some new enemies, and we need some more diversity. Also, I just need to get my friends to a point where we could do Tier 3, because then we'll be challenged and there'll be some new things. So my question is, as we push further, how much more diverse is it? Will it just become too repetitive? Now, because we have this new trait, skill tree system that we can experiment and try things because we keep getting new weapons and because we're they're getting familiar with the game and there's enemies they haven't fought and there's missions they haven't completed and there's difficulty tiers and rewards they're waiting to get that's all really cool but even with diablo even if it got repetitive there was always that that search to not just push your character further but to get that item that you just can't fucking get until you grind out the higher tier stuff. So my other thing that I'm not 100% sure on is, what is the true reward of going into those auroric levels and really like trying to beat that shit? First, are you fighting something that no one else gets to see and fight? I hope so, because that would be cool. Like new bosses, new encounters that are only locked off at that. I don't think that's the case, but it could be. I haven't followed Darktide that closely, and honestly, I haven't looked it up. Is it just a skill ceiling to challenge yourself, just like a ranked thing where it doesn't actually reward you that much? It's just like, hey, you know, it's a, it's harder, so if you can beat that, that's the reward. That's perfectly fine. I have no problem with that. But is there something more to it? Obviously, it gives you a metric fuck ton of gold and XP, but in my mind, it's like, if you're already at that point, I guess level 30, you can keep pushing, and you can get it like level 100, I think, so there is that, but it's just like... The gold is useful, yes, and you get some resources most likely to help upgrade stuff, so it's, you know, it's worth more. I understand that. Just like anything, it scales up, but it's like, is there more to it? I mean, you're probably getting guaranteed a higher caliber weapon. How much higher caliber? Like, what's our ceiling here? What is, what is the ultimate thing to achieve? Now, this isn't a looter shooter. You're not finding random guns around the map. You're not finding the best weapon ever at random. This game, I don't think, should be that. I mean, sometimes I think that'd be cool if you could, like, open a chest and find a dope-ass gun that you permanently have. That would be really fun and add some spice to the exploration. But it changes the entire mechanic of how this game works. This game is focused, and that's where it shines. It's focused on putting you in, killing the horde, upgrading yourself, getting better gear, and rinse and repeat. So, the only problem is that when it's really difficult because you're still leveling up and you're getting good stuff, but tier twos, you're doing the same damn missions over and over with the same enemy variants and not much difference. Right? So going from tier two to tier three is like playing a different game almost, but the difference is you're still, you're just going to get fucked. And when you die, you don't get the, you get some of the rewards. Thank God. You get some of the gold, some of the XP, some of the rewards you pick up, but not a lot. Not nearly as much. You get like a third, if not less than that. You get like 15 to 30% of what you would have gotten. Or 15 to 20%, I'd say, of what you would have gotten. And that's still something, obviously. But if you walk away and you win, you get through it, you do get three times, on average, more of the cash, XP, and some bonus resources than you would just on a Tier 2. So if you get skilled enough and you beat a tier 3 difficulty, I've done this, I'm speaking from experience here, you are essentially in almost the same amount of time, maybe a little longer, almost the same amount of time it takes for you to do one tier 2 mission once you get comfortable tuning tier 3s and getting through them at like 20-30 minutes is usually my average of how long it takes for me to go through a mission. 
I'm getting three times the awards of rewards of tier two, and I'm still constantly being challenged to push myself and play smarter and better. So I appreciate that challenge. So my question is from tier three to tier four, tier four to tier five, and then auroric levels and those three tiers beyond that. How does that scale? Is it comparable? Is it still a fun push? Does it die off after tier five? Does it die off after tier three? I haven't successfully and repeatedly beat tier threes. I've done, I've beat two or three tier three levels before. So I'm not even there yet. I haven't comfortably mastered tier three. I've comfortably mastered tier one, tier two. I'm just scratching the surface of tier three. And I I started doing that a while ago, and I took a break from the game. And now that my buddies have it, I'm pushing back to try to get into that level. And now with all these new traits and new abilities and these two characters, I'm trying to progress evenly or semi-evenly. It's exciting. It's different ways of approaching the game. And I appreciate that. So the, my thought is, now what? Because they keep knocking it out of the park with these updates. These bug fixes, these patches, these content improvements. They have slowly, Fat Shark has slowly repaired this game and brought it to where it should have been at launch, right? But they brought it from the depth of nothingness, from the abyss, and they brought it back into the light. And that's awesome. So now where do we go from here? This is where live service games die. Games like this. No matter how good the gameplay is, no matter how strong the community is, no matter how fun everything is, no matter how well everything works, and this game really does, and if this game dies, I'm going to lose my shit, because I really love this game. And it's not going to die anytime soon. It's doing well. It's doing better than it's ever done before. If it were to die at any point within the past year, it would have died six and a half months ago. So it's come back. It's bounced back. It's stronger than ever, and that's good. It's faithfully reinstated it's repaired it's better than it's ever been and it's stable and it's not going it can't go down it can only go up well i guess anything can go down right but for the most part it's just going to be improving itself so a lot of people that didn't like it when they first downloaded are really going to like it now the fact that it's on game pass the fact that it's crossplay on both platforms allows a lot more people to try it flood in and allows a lot more health and population to the game that's great. So everything's firing in all cylinders. The gameplay's phenomenal. The graphics, art, design, visual, all that is top tier. The gore, the graphics, the combat is intricate, fun, and enjoyable. The server stability is solid. The cross-play, cross-progression is buttery smooth. The general progression mechanics of getting better gear, the new skill tree system, the difficulties in pushing yourself, and the reward balance of such is really tuned in and fun. There is enough diversity with between these four classes and now with their trees and all these other things going on that it feels unique and that it's fun to explore and figure out how to play this class. So there is some replayability if you decide to do different classes. It's a lot. And for all the Xbox players, they haven't had this for a year. This is a year's plus worth of content. But for somebody who's had it for a year... This is not that much more content. Now, it's a lot of content in general, and it's fun to sink my teeth back into. But there's the difference between being a good game and having a good amount of content, and then being a game that we can't put down. Now, right now, we can't put it down because it's available, it's fun, we're all playing it, it's cross-play, and it's kind of what we've been wanting for a while. And hopefully it stays in constant rotation, at least for a while. 
but there has to be more to feed that fire. That fire is going to probably last for at least another month burning at the hottest point. But after a month, I know my friend's interests will fall off if we don't stay consistent, if we don't push it. And that's okay. If they don't, if they're not interested in a month, that's fine. I'll still be interested. Or it might be one of those that's kind of scale back and we, we hop in every once in a while. That's fine. Will it be in the main rotation? I don't know. I hope it stays in the main rotation because I love it and I never mind getting on it and playing it for an hour or two. I mean, just the other night I was playing with my Psycho build. I completely switched it up to an Assassin. It was so different from how I was playing before and I was having a blast. And I'm going to play more of that. So hopefully I just don't sprain my hand because a lot of clicking the mouse to pull that build off. A lot of single tapping. But anyway, that's all good. So where do we go from here with Dark Tide? Well, in my opinion, more content. Continuing the polish, continuing making sure it's balanced, all that, obviously. Um, server stability, polish, content, quality of life fixes, all those things need to keep consistent. I'm not worried about that. They know that. Content. We need more of it, and we need it fast. Okay, there needs to be more cosmetics that are available to unlock that are not ridiculously priced. We need to have a continuous influx of new weapons, new types of weapons, and new upgrades. We should have weapon attachments. It's cool that we can upgrade the rarity type of weapons. It's cool that we can add statistical perks and blessings to them. That's all good. Let's add another thing to that mix. Let's add some attachments. Not too many. A scope here. Uh, a rate of fire changer here, a barrel. This doesn't need to be complex like COD. This isn't a tactical shooter. These are futuristic space weapons, but they're still weapons. They're still shotguns, assault rifles, laser pistols, all these things. And there's still unique ways you could probably fix attachments to them. Even if it's a, just a handful of attachments that give different statistical bonuses to your favorite weapon. And maybe you can only get attachments on a certain class of weapon. Maybe they have to only be the highest, the legendary equivalent. That would be good. That would mean there's not attachments for every single type of fucking gun. It's not too hard to get to those legendary weapons. By the time you're level 20 to 25, you'll be getting those. So it doesn't take too long. But that allows the devs to only have to focus on that. Or maybe it's like specially named weapons. So that way it's not just so you can... It's not weapons that you just upgrade. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure how it would work, right? And it may not work, but I think that could add some variety to it. Or, at the very least, just tweak an, a system that's already in play. Some of the bonuses that are with these guns, like oh, the fact that this is an auto gun as opposed to all that, as opposed to semi-auto, allow that to have some more customization when you upgrade. Maybe have a part where you could swap it out the way you want it, right? Or you could swap out, oh, this is armor-piercing and this is shredding. Well, we're going to swap it to armor-piercing. Willfully swap it, not random. Just something like that. Just something more with the weapons that adds a little more customization, a little more fine-tuning to the actual gameplay mechanics of these weapons that are fun to continue to push and play with, even once you got that weapon you really like for a while. So that would be cool, but that's not a big one. The biggest thing that they absolutely need that they're going to have to keep doing is the big three. More maps, more game modes and mission types and game modes. I'll talk about game modes in a second. And more enemy types. Different looks for the enemies, different weapons that the enemies get, new types of regular enemies, new types of specialist enemies. 
we've got a lot of specialist enemies and variants to them, and that's great. So it's not really too big of a deficit right now because it's plenty unique, but if they added one new type, that would be incredible. And more mini-bosses. Your Plague Ogrins, your Demon Hosts, the one with the health bars that really could fuck up your day. There's only like three of them right now, and that's exciting when you run into them. Okay? But we should have a couple more. They should come up a little more consistently, especially depending on the difficulty. Furthermore, when you fight those fuckers, we need to get a reward. It's ridiculous. I know this isn't a looter shooter, so they're not going to be dropping like the most rare weapon ever. That's fine. But maybe when you kill them, you instantly get 100 plasteel, 100 diamantine, and 1,000 ordo dockets. And, um, and 500 XP. Or whatever. Or maybe it scales depending on the difficulty you're playing at when you fight them. Because they're very difficult, and it's almost if you can avoid them, they would be easier. They will, they could instantly kill you, and you could lose all your progress. So it's a risk reward. But when you kill them, it, I don't know if you get anything, anything beneficial other than the fact you get to push through and finish the mission. Great, who cares? We should get a bonus for killing them. A healthy bonus, one that incentivizes the excitement to try to kill these fucking monstrosities that are super difficult to kill. If you got a thousand ordo ducats, the cash. If you got uh, like a hundred XP bonus from that, hundred XP points. If you got um, and a hundred of these rare materials that are hard to come by, that would be awesome. And it shows it. Just shows that you got that. Like just like when you pick them, pick up the extra resources in the bottom right just cashes it in. So once you finish your mission, you'll get that. And even if you fail, you get that. Because you at least killed that. You completed that objective. You know what I mean? So if they had that in place, that would make those fights way more rewarding because when you kill them, you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, hopefully that was worth the time. Right? That's it. There's nothing that you get out of that. So that would be really, really cool. And I, I, there's no fucking way I'm the only person that has thought of this. And if there is, we're in trouble. Because... I hope to God they could implement that. That would make that way more enjoyable. But more missions, more modes, all that. New enemies, new special enemy like mini bosses like the Demon Host, like the Plago Grin, like those fuckers that you face so often. Not too often, but often enough, right? So add a few more different types of those. Sprinkle them and kick up the frequency and reward us when we kill them and keep it a locked-in reward. That would be fun. Um, add bounties in the game. Why not? We already have this guy who's making us do these extra objectives for this new credit. Well, add specialized enemies that are like heavy specialist enemies that are hard to kill, and they get a little extra health, a little more damage, compared to even other specialists in this mode. They're maybe outlined in gold, or they got this little icon above them, and if you kill them, once again, you get instant extra cash, extra XP, and extra... Upgrade materials. Not a lot, but a little bit. Kind of like a loot goblin in Diablo. Just a little extra enemy that's hard to kill, but that's there, and you do it, you, get a, you pop it, you get a little extra cash for it. You get a little extra rewards in the middle of your game. Stuff like that. Make the minute-to-minute -minute the gameplay as fun as it is. Add, sprinkle some more rewards. Nothing's more satisfying than some, finding some extra rewards that are going to benefit you once you finish the game. Also increase those throughout the map. Increase those, make them in better hiding places. Right? Maybe add a place to find extra dockets. 
or at, or make it so you can find a medallion, and when you get that, that's worth XP itself. Small collectibles. Extra collectibles, because it's very barren. And it's cool that it's there, and it doesn't need to be the focus. This doesn't need to be an exploration looter shooter. But to have a little more sprinkled throughout as well would be great. Make more secondary objectives, for fuck's sake. Have multiple objectives that give you bonus cash and bonus XP. Kill ten maulers. Uh, kill three crushers. And make sure that if those secondary objectives are there, they're actually applicable and can be done, of course. Don't put, like, kill three crushers on a tier one. You're not going to see any crushers. So obviously that would have to be balanced according to the level. But add some extra bonus difficulties. This whole C's Grimoire, there's like two different secondary objectives. They're always worth almost the same amount. It's almost not worth it because one, you're not going to find them. It's not worth the time to look for them. It's great if you do because you do get a good amount of extra rewards. But let's add some new objectives and some more that are just easier to accomplish. Maybe not worth as much, but still worth something. So you're getting bonuses. At the end of the game, let's see who killed who. Let's see how many specialists were killed. Maybe even name the amount of specialists. Let's show how many each person killed, how many times they went down, how many revives they did. Let's show those stats. This is a social horde shooter. It's cool that you show the total amount of kills and the run and the time it took to get through it. That's fine. Let's see who picked up what. Who got the most plasteel? Who got the most diamantine? Who killed the most enemies in overall? Who got the most melee kills? Who got the most uh, shooting kills? Who got the who killed the most special enemies? Who did the most damage? There's got they there has to be something a hidden mechanic where they're measuring how much damage DP you do. You could see it when you're in the training room. You can see the damage points pop up. It's fine that that's not there in game, but like if that's there as a metric for them, it should show. Well, this guy here, he got he got second most kills, but he actually had the most damage overall. He did more damage, even if he didn't get final kill. Show that. No reason not to. And then also have that as a total stats ac across the account in your personal career, which I think it is. Actually, I think you can go in your stats and you can see that, so that might not be needed. So it'd really be just cool to show some of the main highlights. Make it more flashy. You know? Well, Rocket League does it, for fuck's sake. A guardian save, more saves, or a warden. It gives you a little special title depending on what you did the most of. And it's kind of randomized, but it's still specific to what you did statistically. Shit like that. And let, more importantly, let's just see how many kills each person got. I think that's just kind of like ownership of how they're doing. COD Zombies does it. There's no reason this can't do that. So that would be cool to add. What else? Um... Eventually new classes. That would be really cool. And then some new game modes. Um, preferably a horde wave thing. It'd be perfect. Uh, uh, with maps specifically designed for those too. Not just random maps that you're supposed to push through. Maps that are designed to be able to have a little flexibility. Like a COD Zombies map. More stationary, less that you're pushing through the objective, more so you're just surviving the round. This game 
I I swear to God, this game would be the most popular game ever if they just made their own version of COD Zombies with what the mechanics they have. The graphics, the gore, the amount of enemies, the diversity in this, and the amount of some new things they can try in this would be phenomenal. You can play with friends, you can play by yourself, you can play with bots, right? Specialized maps for just a horde mode. The longer, the more waves you survive, the exponentially, the more cash, XP, and extra uh, uh, goodies you get for it. Better weapons, better rewards. So if you're tired of the mission gambit, you load in with your buddies, you guys just try to survive. Maybe there's some small missions, maybe there's some Easter eggs. You know, maps can have some exploration, some alternate routes, some things that open up, like Black Ops, right? Make it so everyone starts with a fucking shiv. Or their equivalent for their class, right? Keep the classes and the abilities, but make it where, like, you're, you have to, like, hit a station and you have to upgrade your points in that moment. Now, this doesn't affect any of your weapons or your progress for the main game, but it's like, it's like, you know, like COD. Like, when you start at zero, you have nothing. And, you know, so you're running around, you're trying to get the, the gear. Why not? This already has the hordes. This already has the gore. This already has the four-player co-op. It has the gameplay. It can do it in its own way and still be unique and allow new things. Right? And as it goes on, you see more specialist enemies and maybe a few new specialist enemies, of course, would be nice overall in the game. And then, of course, in this mode that are specially fixed for this horde mode. Right? And maybe you can even crank up the difficulty of the horde going in. You could say, I want to play this on tier 1 difficulty. Or you start it at a certain round, like old CODs allowed. And it just scales up. Why not? The game practically does that already. It's just mission-based. So why not have a horde-based mode? That'd be so fucking fun. And it just every round you get further, you just exponentially get more rewards. Even if you die, you get those rewards. Right, but <clears throat> and so you might think, well, okay, then then it's just easy cheating. You're just leveling up. Well, no, 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 because like it actually is going to get really difficult to the point where, to the point where, like it has to be a balanced trade-off. So, so like, if you die like at say round five in this fictionalized horde mode, right? This made-up horde mode I'm thinking of. If you die at round five, it, you're you're getting half the rewards of a tier one mission. You're not getting jack shit. You might as well just do a simple mission and complete that. Right, like make it so it's actually difficult and you actually have to survive a good amount before you're actually cashing in at a higher consistency. Right? So like if you make it to round 25 or round 30, maybe at that point, it's super difficult then. But at that point, you would be getting a little bit more than the rewards you would if you did a tier 3 mission. So make it proportional. It doesn't have to be the same time. It can take longer, it can take shorter, and it can be a little more difficult at points. It has a little flexibility. Because it's not mission-based. There's no movement. You're staying stationary in place. Maybe there's barricades. Maybe there's bonus traps you set up. Things like that. And maybe there's some secondary objectives and, and some goodies you can find that will also benefit long-term in your main build. That would be dope. That would add a layer of instant replayability that doesn't get exhausting. I mean, obviously, there'll need to be new maps and modes, but if they came out with this horde mode and had, like, three different maps, it was just purely survive the horde as long as possible. The longer you survive, the better rewards you get, but the harder it gets. Just that. No extra simple, no objectives. Maybe just small things throughout. That would be dope. 
There'd be a whole nother faction of people who come and come back and play. And if those benefits rewarded their character progress overall, and maybe there's a new currency involved too, and these currencies are points that can get you better gear or can be used to buy like nodes of levels. And that way you can use this as a way to help bypass some of the growing pains if you start a new character, right? So you have this XP off to the side. And then so, or so like say you do this horde zombies equivalent mode and you get really far, you bank it up and you get the special credits. You get regular credits, you get regular XP, you get regular rewards, all that that you would normally do in war in dark tide. But then it has the special credits that you get just from playing hordes and it gets banked. And you can use that in a couple ways. You can buy specialized weapons with it if you want, with the character you have. You could buy like a metal. I want them to implement, I'd love for them to implement a collectible that you pick up that gives you some XP. Just straight up. It would make sense if it was a metal. So you pick up a metal, and then when you pick that up, in games, in maps, like Plasteel, like Diamantine, you pick that up, it gives you 100 extra XP points. Just pushes that little XP meter along. Why not have that a pickable, collectible thing? So you could buy them at varying, increasing amounts of XP that it cashes out for a higher cost of these special credits. And it's universally bound. This credit in this horde system is account bound. So it doesn't matter what character you have it on. You have these credits on all new characters. So, and you have that shop available to buy those things at the same rate. As regardless, don't even have to be level 5 or no level requirements. So, so that you could save that. So if you're planning on getting a new, starting a new character... Well, you could save some of those credits you ha you got from having fun in the horde mode. And you could use that to buy the medals on the character that you're trying to level up. Say you're level 3 with this character. And so with a handful of those, you buy like 5 or 6 medals. And that levels you up to like level 12. That would be dope. Right? And say you can only get the horde mode once you hit level 20 on one of your characters. That way, you at least have to play some of the game before you can just expedite the process, right, for your friends, and that gives you incentive to push for and get one of your characters to level 20. Bam. Fat Shark, if you're here, if you're listening, if someone knows the devs or can send this to the devs at Fat Shark, or Fat Shark and all them, devs of Dark Tide, please do. Tell them that idea is all there is. Just give me some credit or money or something, some... Some semblance that I came up with this on the spot. But please, God, just implement that mode and those features. As I'm saying that, I'm getting too excited. This shit would add instant longevity and so much more replayability and so much more diversity to the package that we get when we get this game. As well as just add new modes, I don't know. But the Horde mode makes the most sense to me. Right? Right? But add new missions and objectives, new enemy types, new specials. Oh, of course, continue adding new talents and perks. Now that they have this talent tree built out, that's all well and good. But let's add new talents and perks. This game is so fun. There's a lot already to digest and to take in, and there's a lot of foundation here. And for me, it excites me because it's a very, very, very strong foundation. And if this game does its shit right and keeps in pace, this game can continue to exist and be huge and grow. Not saying it's easy, not saying they have all the money in the world. Obviously, practically, this is not as easy. It's just easier to say this. Maybe they want a horde mode. Maybe they're planning on one. 
it would be dope. It'd be dope if we had some new modes, some new features. But for now, for now, I'll take some more maps, some more mission varieties. I'll take some more intermediate bonus rewards for completing and killing certain enemies. I would appreciate that for now. And I would love that year in, year out, we're getting new modes, new features, game-changing stuff. You know, it'd be dope if at one point, like in a year from now, they have these incremental updates, they fix stuff, they add a few new enemy types, a few new maps, missions, modes, all that, just to spice it up. Just to keep it interesting. And then it would also be just great if they managed to add... The horde mode, more classes, more skills, more enemies, new bosses, like huge bosses that require a lot of work, raids like Destiny that are there, that are stationary, that guarantee you good weapons, more weapons, more rarity types of weapons, more specials. They have all of it there. So they could just scale it up and make it more rewarding because they need to balance that a little bit. They need to make it a little more rewarding for the player intermediately. Because it's a long-term grind, but it's a fun one at that. So, those are my initial impressions. This game is still phenomenal. I love Warhammer 40k Dark Tide. I highly recommend it for anyone interested in this type of game. I would love to see these uh, fixes to the cons and these future improvements in, in later time. But for now, so far, folks, from my first impressions in November of last year to now, this game has improved its quality, its longevity, and has proved that it is not going away anytime soon. And it's all for the betterment of us as gamers. So I'm having a blast with it, and I hope you do too. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you all later. Much love.